austere text, 95 pages long, that dissects Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction program. Most notably, however, the estimate is exceedingly cautious, citing doubts and conflicting opinions coming from the core of the intelligence community. To keep these doubts from being taken into account, the White House simultaneously publishes a shortened version of the estimate on Iraq. 25 pages embellished with color photographs and maps. They had a very clever sanitized version of the estimate, which if a, if a, if a sentence said, uh, we think it possible that Saddam Hussein had this, then they take out the possible. This version makes official the allegations that have been circulating for months. Baghdad has chemical and biological weapons, as well as missiles. Saddam could get his hands on a nuclear weapon within a year. The sales campaign that took place, uh, I would characterize as uh, aggressive deception. There's no question that the headlines leave a different impression of what's in the document itself. The, the October 2002 uh, NIE is not conclusive. It is the headlines that will sway Congress. Bob Graham knows this. He votes against the resolution to go to war. By taking that action, according to our own intelligence reports, and I will tell you, friends, that, and I would encourage you to read the classified intelligence reports, which are much sharper uh, than what is available in declassified form, we are going to be increasing the threat level against the people of the United States. I found the document to be a very unpersuasive uh, and it was a significant part of my ultimate decision to vote against the war in Iraq. October 10th, 2002. Congress approves the war, altering the course of history forever. The deception is successful. American officials bear the responsibility of having allowed questionable evidence to dictate their decision, and this for political ends. This vote was going to be taken in October of 2002, just a month before the November election. So there were a lot of people who felt that from a political standpoint, uh, they didn't really want to know too much because they wanted to be able to tell their constituents this is what the president said was the right thing. I accepted uh, his judgment. The vote by Congress is a resounding victory for the Bush administration, Chalabi, and the Iraqi exiles. And it leaves the anti-war proponents with a bitter taste of defeat. With the vote of Congress secured, it is now time to rally public support. To do so, they have a dossier on hand. Remember that dossier from Rome, the one that conveniently emerged from the archives from the Italian Military Secret Service, sees me. Enzo Bianco, former Minister of the Interior, has closely followed the extraordinary story of this dossier. Negli c'era un documento buono per tutti gli usi e qualcuno al momento giusto, con le sue manine, l'ha preso e l'ha fatta avere a chi poteva utilizzarlo. That foot soldier is Rocco Martino a long-time CISME agent, informer to French, British and American secret services. He is the one who circulated the seemingly explosive dossier among his so-called clients. This is it. 
It contains official-looking documents that allude to a sale by Niger to Iraq of concentrated uranium, or yellow cake. The yellow cake dossier finally lands on the desk of Vice President Cheney in February 2002. When Dick Cheney saw this report from the Defense Intelligence Agency about yellow cake, the Iraqis seeking yellow cake in darkest Africa, Niger, uh, he asked the CIA briefer, uh, what do you think about this? The CIA briefer said, well, I'll check it out. And to verify it, the CIA summons Joe Wilson on February the 19th, 2002. Wilson is familiar with Niger, fourth largest uranium producer in the world. He was posted there earlier in his career. Uh, when I got there, the first person I went to see was the U.S. ambassador. Um, and she said to me, we have already looked at this. Uh, and uh, we have determined that there is nothing there. Wilson returns to the United States and gives his report to the CIA. Uh, the amount of uranium that was being talked about represented about a 25% increase in annual production levels, and any such increase would have had to been uh, approved through the consortium that ran the mine. You could not hide that. Wilson's conclusions are relayed to Cheney, who ignores them. The vice president is sticking to his dossier from Italy. And yet, the Italians gave the Americans fair warning. The documents in Nigerian yellow cake are false. Enzo Bianco has been demanding a commission of inquiry for years. Il fatto che ci siano dei rapporti diretti tra appartenenti a diversi servizi che si del mondo occidentale che si scambiano qualche cortesia e qualche informazione non è una cosa di per sé negativa. Diventa negativa quando questa familiarità viene utilizzata allo scopo di costruire deliberatamente false informazioni che non rispondono all'interesse dello Stato ma rispondono ad altri interessi. Doubts, suspicions that the pro-war camp will ignore. For them, the yellow cake dossier is a godsend. It fuels a fundamental fear, that of a nuclear apocalypse. The only weapon of mass destruction that truly um, is a weapon of mass destruction is a nuclear weapon. Chemical weapons and biological weapons are battlefield weapons, but a nuclear weapon is a society-altering weapon. Fear of the Iraqi bomb reaches its pinnacle in September 2002. The New York Times publishes a headline about the threat from Baghdad. It alludes to aluminium tubes seized by the Americans that were to be used in the production of centrifuges to enrich uranium from Africa and finally to make an atomic bomb. It all adds up. At the end of 2002, the media campaign in the United States works like a charm. According to the polls, almost 80% of Americans believe Saddam has an atomic bomb or is close to having one. In the end, the yellow cake dossier will have a remarkable fate. President Bush himself will get behind it. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. Pronounced by the most powerful man in the world, this little sentence is an unequivocal condemnation. And yet, 
Bush had been warned. When the president, uh, when the State of the Union address was being prepared, uh, the CIA told the White House, you cannot use this claim that Saddam attempted to purchase uranium from um, uh, Niger. To proceed despite the CIA's reluctance, the White House attributes these revelations to the British, who spoke of yellow cake in their September report. Uh, with respect to Iraq's attempt to acquire nuclear material in Niger, the, uh, the British intelligence official, the head of British intelligence at the time, to this day insists that that information was correct. And no one can say with certainty that it isn't, uh, it isn't true. In fact, the British white paper was simply uh, circular reporting. It was our story that ended up in a British document. It was the same story. The French government, which essentially controls the exploitation of the uranium mines, looked into the yellow cake affair and concluded it was fraudulent. Jean-Marc de la Sablière was the diplomatic advisor to French President Jacques Chirac at the time. Alors, cette affaire de yellow cake, je veux dire, moi je la trouve extrêmement étrange. Les experts nucléaires aussi, entre l'acquisition de l'uranium naturel et puis l'enrichissement de l'uranium, il faut des tas d'installations, des installations qui n'existent plus en Iran. Donc tout ça me paraît quand même euh, extrêmement euh, étrange. Early 2003, the American government decides to present its case to world leaders. Colin Powell stands before the UN to deliver a scathing indictment of Saddam Hussein. He repeats the accusations already presented during debates before Congress. He stresses the existence of mobile laboratories for producing biological weapons. These are the revelations made by Curveball, the Iraqi defector who spoke to German intelligence. Finally, he accuses Saddam of wanting to get his hands on an atomic bomb. He speaks of the aluminium tubes that for months have been presented as irrefutable proof. We watched Colin Powell and we said, whoa, uh, this is, uh, you know, really theatrics, well done. And we gave him an A for presentation and a C minus for content. Je me souviens très bien, j'étais assis derrière Dominique Dominique et je lui ai dit, Dominique, personne dans cette salle ne croit ce qu'il dit et probablement pas lui-même. The vial that uh, um, General Powell put in the, in the United Nations with the head of the CIA behind him was acquired from a man which they named Curveball. Curveball, whose real name was Rafid Ahmed Ajanabi, would later admit that he made it all up so he could stay in Germany. Richard Pearl, who had so proficiently defended the idea of going to war, has no problem admitting that many of Powell's allegations were unfounded. The mobile laboratories that were described uh, in that intelligence report, that turned out to be completely false. There were no mobile laboratories. The aluminum tubes, which uh, could have been part of centrifuges, uh, turned out to be uh, aluminum tubes for uh, launching small, uh, small rockets. Colin Powell know he was lying? Yeah, he did. Why did he do it? Because the president told him to do it. 
Taking their case to the UN, the Americans seek to justify their actions in front of the international community. Weapons inspectors return to Iraq, but have yet to find WMDs. But Washington applies an indisputable logic. If Saddam Hussein indicates that he has weapons of mass destruction and that he is violating United Nations resolutions, then we will know that Saddam Hussein again deceived the world. If he said he doesn't have any, then I think that uh, we will find out whether or not Saddam Hussein is saying something that we believe will be verifiably false. France wages one last diplomatic battle. On February the 14th at the UN, Dominique de Villepin states the French position. L'usage de la force ne se justifie pas aujourd'hui. Il y a une alternative à la guerre. And on March 7th, Director General of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Mohamed El Baradai, denounces Bush's claims about the yellow cake from Africa. Based on thorough analysis, the IA has concluded, with the, with the concurrence of outside experts, that these documents, which form the basis for the reports of recent uranium transactions between Iraq and Niger, are in fact not authentic. We have therefore concluded that these specific allegations are unfounded. Well, we know it was a forgery now, and we know that our country suffered the indignity of the IAEA director, El Baradai, saying before the UN Security Council, it took us uh, a, a, a day and a half, our experts, but we looked on the internet and we looked elsewhere. We hired uh, uh, experts and we found out that these documents were not authentic. In Paris, Jacques Chirac announces that he will veto any resolution in favor of war. Je le répète, la guerre est toujours la pire des solutions. The Americans will ignore the advice of Chirac, the conclusions of Baradai, and the opinion of the UN. The night of March 19th, the war begins. Three weeks later, columns of American tanks roll into Baghdad. Saddam Hussein flees. From the outset of the operation in Iraq, American soldiers search for Saddam Hussein's arsenal. They find nothing. The politicians blame it on the intelligence community. You know, intelligence agencies frequently make mistakes. Intelligence organizations, by their very nature, are working with imperfect information, with conflicting accounts, with things that it's impossible to, uh, to interpret with a high degree of, of uh, certainty. The CIA, which had been so suspicious of the collaboration between the exiles and the Pentagon, will be forced to take the blame, notably for the most blatant lies. That little sentence, 16 words in all, spoken by Bush about the African yellow cake and the documents that inspired it. I, no one knew at the time in our circles, maybe someone knew down in the, the bowels of the agency, but no one in our circles knew uh, that there were doubts and suspicions that this might be a forgery. This insistence on defending the official lie finally gets the better of Joe Wilson's discretion. It was at that time that I fully understood that the government was not going to admit that it had lied to the American people, and therefore I had to write the story myself. In the New York Times, he publishes the truth about his mission to Niger and the fact that the White House was well aware of his conclusions. 
given the structure of the consortiums that operated the mines, it would be exceedingly difficult for Niger to transfer uranium to Iraq. The CIA must once again shoulder responsibility, and George Tenet releases a statement. These 16 words should have never been included in the text written for the president. This was a mistake. A small price to pay for a very lethal lie. At the White House, the issue becomes a subject of humor. Official inquiries will denounce the incompetence of the intelligence community for the erroneous information about Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. This was fraud, and I can't say that often enough. No mistake, fraud. The man who was complicit in this deception refuses to be held solely responsible. To, to believe that an exile organization with limited means can fool a major superpower, the only superpower in the world at the time, uh, with, with bill, tens of billions of dollars on sophisticated intelligence gathering into war against Saddam is, is fictional. It will be three years before Bush admits that Saddam did not have WMDs. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't, but he had the capacity to make weapons of mass destruction. But I also talked about the human suffering in Iraq. Bush brushes aside the stated reason for a war that has destroyed an entire country. In Iraq, the invasion turns into a bloody occupation. The downward spiral uh, started with the occupation. The coalition, especially the Americans, lost the moral high ground, and they became the jailers of the Iraqi people. The bedlam, the chaos, the violence in Iraq now is a natural consequence of what Bush and Cheney did in invading Iraq. Iraq is quickly torn to shreds, ripped apart by religious and ethnic violence. I think the most convincing argument was that uh, in order to uh, enhance Israel's position in the Middle East and its security, the nations surrounding it that formed an anti-Israeli bloc had to be broken up into smaller, confessionally homogeneous nation-states. So in the case of Iraq, a Kurdistan, a Shiistan, and a Sunnistan. This objective was openly declared as early as 1996 in this document, signed by Richard Pearl and Douglas Fife, a text that accuses Iraq of posing a threat to Israel. Today, the chaos in Iraq has spread into Syria. Entire provinces are beyond the control of Baghdad and Damascus. And the West has a new enemy, the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, ISIL, also known as Daesh. The United States bears considerable responsibility for the fact that the Islamic State exists, but not because the United States intended to create the Islamic State. Rather, that the Islamic State came into existence as an unintended consequence 
of this immensely foolish war, the Americans and the British, had they not occupied the country, have the, had they curbed corruption when it started, we would not have Daesh. The violence has claimed hundreds of thousands of victims, dead, wounded, maimed, and has uprooted millions of Iraqis and Syrians. You have hundreds of thousands of refugees leaving the area, and nobody asks, nobody asks, what caused this? What caused this terrible human catastrophe? It wasn't an earthquake, it wasn't a typhoon, it was an invasion of a country that was reasonably intact when we invaded it. The Iraqi deception has cost Americans almost $2 trillion, according to some estimates. Much of this public money has been directed to the defense industry. Peace is bad for business. War tension is always very good for business. So money, of course, was a major factor. So the United States finds itself today essentially engaged in permanent war. And it's a permanent war that, that benefits some people. There are some people and some entities that are making a lot of money uh, in, in, from this endless war. Profits rarely mentioned, relegated to silence. As are the Americans who have died in Iraq, like the son of Andrew Bacevich, killed May 13, 2007. I think one of the saddest uh, aspects of our Iraq war is how quickly Americans have chosen to forget it. There seems to be an unwillingness on the part of the American people to acknowledge and to confront this enormous uh, failure. Uh, aggressive deception is totally incompatible with the fundamental principle of democracy. A failure, the result of a manipulation that has shaken the confidence of Americans in their own institutions.